Shirts fans to episode number 196 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. We've got a special Intersport crossover episode, part two of our conversation with Mr. Gavin Shaw of Locked On Knicks. We're going to be continuing to talk a little bit about the state of each franchise, as well as getting into the insane summer of 1994 that saw both the Rangers and the Knicks make it to the finals of their respective sport. Enjoy! I think something that really pained Knicks fans this offseason, a, a little bit, a little bit. I think there, there was there was happiness, too. But watching the Rangers win the lottery after the Knicks, I, I'm not sure if you're aware <laughs> of this, John, um, literally have not moved up from their lottery position since the very first one where they got Patrick Ewing. It was like they used up 25, or actually, oh my God, 35 years of luck uh, on, on that one win. And since then, not a single good thing has happened for them. Um, what was the reaction in Rangers nation to that happening? Was it one? Because I think, I mean, the Rangers, I mean, they were in the playoffs. I think nominally only had like the 12th best odds. I know in hockey, it's a little bit more weighted in favor of the better teams, but that had to be just such a pleasant surprise. And for me, it was, it was this weird, like feeling in my stomach where I, I really do. I like the Rangers a lot. I get so into it whenever I do commit and watch just like a couple games in a row over the last few years when they made the playoffs. Like I genuinely am so happy for them. My dad is is a massive, massive Rangers fan. I was ecstatic yeah. for him. Um, but at the same time, I was like, oh, like this happens. And I knew in my gut, like I was kind of hoping the Knicks would move up. I'm like, they're they're definitely gonna drop. It's what happens every single time. So I guess I guess what was what was the reaction uh for Rangers fans uh when that happened? I mean, just pure joy, just pure elation because, you know, it's funny. The Rangers, they get into the playoffs this year. They're matched up against the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Canes are a good team. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last season. And you know it's going to be, you know, a tough task to beat them. But the thing that the Rangers had working in their favor going into that series was the Rangers had won all four meetings in the regular season. And they were 10-2 and against them in the previous three seasons combined. So as a Ranger fan, man, we're the 11th seed. And it's like, we're feeling pretty good. You know, this is a good draw for us. We can take out this team. Uh, but you also know that if they do happen to lose, and I never root against my team, I can't do that. I can't root for my team to tank just to get a better draft pick. But once the Rangers were eliminated, then immediately your focus switches to the draft and it switches to that draft lottery. And you know that the Rangers are going to have a one in eight chance because they're going to be in there with the other seven teams that were knocked out in the qualifying round. And so I'm watching this, this draft on TV and they're putting all the ping pong balls one by one into the machine. I mean, it's such an event. It's such a dramatic, drawn-out event. And then, you know, they push the button. The balls are jumping all over the machine. They hit another button. The ball goes up to the top. And they've got, I mean, I don't know what his official title is, but basically he's the guy in there who was assisting uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman. And he holds up the ping-pong ball, but then the camera goes to, like, kind of like a long shot. So, you know, I think when I first saw the ball, the Ranger logo wasn't centered. It was kind of like in the bottom right. And I see some blue, I see some red, I'm getting excited, but I'm not letting myself celebrate yet because I don't know for sure. And then eventually uh, they zoom in on the ping pong ball and you see that Ranger logo and I could not believe it. I could not believe for the second straight year uh, they caught a huge break in the in the draft because they moved up a couple of spots to number two to get Capo Caco the year before. You know, the Pittsburgh Penguins are in there. They always seem to get the number one draft anytime there's like a great player available. Um, the Edmonton Oilers have had a bunch of number one overall picks. They were in there. Uh, the Maple Leafs, they were in there, and and I see the Ranger logo. I could not believe it. I was just so happy. 
because if you don't get that number one overall pick, I believe the best you could do after that, if you're one of those seven other teams, was like 10th or 11th based mm. on how it was set up. So, I mean, it was all or nothing, man, and, and one and eight shot, and it comes up Rangers. And, man, I can't wait to see what this kid can do because by all accounts, he is a generational talent. So if there was – I mean, you always want the number one pick. Who wouldn't want that? But this is the year to definitely have it. I mean, this this kid, by all accounts, is the real deal. Yeah, that's it, again it, it, happy for you guys. Also painful to hear because I can't help but <laughs> thinking just the hype. Uh, not not necessarily this season. Like obviously, like um, Lamelo Ball is is nominally the number one prospect in next year's NBA draft. He's a guy that a lot of Knicks fans are excited about. But to your point on, it's always good to win the number one pick. But occasionally, it's really really good to win the number one pick. Right. That was sort of the Knicks situation a year ago with Zion Williamson. And as it turned out, it would have been really really good to get the number two pick because John Morant was also a generational prospect. And we spent it as a podcast. um, We we got a lot of content about what hypothetically what Zion would look like on the Knicks. Uh, Granted with the NBA system, the Knicks only ever had a 14% chance at that. So it was grossly premature to have that conversation. But as lottery night happened um, well over a year ago, I was in a bar with surrounded by tons of people, which seems like a surreal experience in and of itself, uh, given the world is today. But yeah. Um, yeah, and it was just this, there was this energy. Like once we found out the Knicks were in the top three, it sort of felt like, all right, they are so due. They, it, it, it's, it's, it's about time. They're going to win this one. And then of course they get the number three pick, RJ Barrett, who looks like he will be a very good player in his own right, but it is not sort of the franchise changing talent. And that's kind of the beauty of basketball. Even I, I, I guess in hockey, you could get like a Connor McDavid and maybe change your fortunes, but in basketball, one guy can really, really shift right. things. And Zion Williamson was that guy. I think John Morant, to a slightly lesser degree, was also that person, but the Knicks um, missed out twice. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Um, I, I guess to, to kind of wrap up a little bit here, John, unless you want to get into the documentary a little bit, I, I just sort of wanted to get a feel on what you think the Rangers upside is going forward. I mean, you mentioned they add a generational talent to a core with, that already has a couple of all-stars, a lot of young supporting players. Do you see this team contending for championships in the near future? I guess like what, what is what is the timeline for this Rangers team to really, really be back amongst the best in the NHL? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're quite there yet. I mean, I think we'll be back to a 16-team playoff format next year. Hopefully everything clears up and that that's what happens, you know, with everything going on in the world right now. Um, I don't know that this is the kind of season where if you're the Rangers, you go absolutely nuts in free agency. Because if you look at the free agent class, it's not the deepest one that you've ever seen. I mean, there are definitely some good players there. Take nothing away from those guys. 
but it's not as deep as, you know, say last year's class, for example, when the Rangers got Artemi Panarin. And the other thing is the spots where the Rangers really need help, which I would say is center and defenseman. There aren't really, there's not really a surplus of those positions available in free agency. So I would expect the Rangers in free agency this year, maybe just do a little bit of patchwork, bring in some role players. But again, you know, they're so young. There's so many players who are already so good, already so far ahead of schedule. Um, and I think, you know, if they just continue on that trajectory, yeah, I mean, three years from now, two years from now, maybe if you want to get a little bit aggressive, I think this is a team that could be back among the NHL's elite. I mean, you've already got two superstars to build around. They're going to draft Alexi Lafreniere, you know, assuming that they don't do anything crazy during the draft. And they've also got Capo Caco, who's going to continue to develop. Uh, they've got some exciting defensemen, some exciting two-way defensemen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the future definitely looks bright. If they just stay the course, they don't kind of overplay their hand a little bit. Like, I don't want to see them reach for somebody in free agency this season. Like, Taylor Hall, he's arguably the uh, most coveted free agent available. I don't see him quite on the superstar level like a lot of other people do. So I wouldn't expect the Rangers to, you know, go all out and overpay for him and then, you know, be stuck with, you know, this massive contract uh, paying Taylor Hall, you know, for all these years going forward. But I think if they just stay the course, they have another nice draft. They've got two picks in the first round this year. So, yeah, I mean, if they just keep doing what they're doing, I think uh, they, they should be back among the NHL's elite in about two or three years. I, I just I just want to let you know the, the world of luxury that you live in, because if it was the Knicks, they would always overpay the Tabor, Taylor Hall right. equivalent um, when, when yeah, they had a yeah. young team and everything yeah. was going well. So you guys you guys are in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Knicks don't go is, reaching for people, you know. I think that's the big thing. Don't go reaching. I, and the Knicks, I mean, we have Julius Randle is the human embodiment of, of reaching for someone. Um, <laughs> but but for the Knicks going forward, I, I do I, I tend to be very very negative on them, and I think by and large, it's it's this weird thing when you talk about a team. I mean, four or five times a week, you're you're constantly talking about them on Twitter. I talk about them in my personal life. There's a lot of Knicks in my life, and it's this weird thing where I think it's realistic to be negative most of the time, because when you've been bad for 20 years, you're like, look in the mirror. Like that's, that's what yeah. you do. But you want to have a little bit of optimism. That's where um, Alex, who unfortunately uh, had to miss this podcast really balances me out where he, I think is like an eternal optimist and he's very, very good about looking at things in a positive way while, while still being realistic. And it, and it really is a glass half full glass, half empty mentality. I think there are a lot of reasons for the Knicks to have a glass half full, um, uh, uh, outlook on the world right now. Uh, they are in position with the eighth spot in the draft where this is not a year where that's a complete disaster dropping from six to eight. Uh, the top 10 is very, very deep. I think they'll end up with someone relatively in the same tier of talent they would have got if they had stayed at six or even if they had moved up a couple of spots. And if they had moved into the top two or three, they might've been taking a risk on someone who could have been a total disaster and set their franchise back a couple of years, like an Anthony Edwards versus maybe drafting an Isaac Okoro, Devin Vassell, who will, um, if nothing else, make them a better team from day one, even if they don't quite reach the ceiling of someone they could have gotten in the top two or three. Um, another reason I'm optimistic is I, I just don't think there are all that many mechanisms um, at play for the Knicks to make them not a bottom 10 team next year. And the NBA draft next year is looking to be a generational group with a whole lot of talent where even if you end up with the sixth or seventh pick, you might end up with someone better than the number one pick in this year's draft. And the Knicks still desperately, desperately need that frontline talent more than any other sport in the world. Um, you need singular great individuals to win big. The Knicks don't necessarily have that person on their roster right now. Mitchell Robinson is sort of borderline. Um, and if they can find that person, whether in the draft or in a future free agency, once this thing is a little bit more built out and Tom Thibodeau once again proves his bona fides as a coach, um, th there's some reasons for optimism. And I think 
there could be a point in maybe give it five years where the Rangers are really, really rolling and the Knicks put something together where it could start looking like uh, 1994 again, John. That would be amazing. And, you know, speaking of 1994, just to talk about this documentary a little bit here, um, you told me before we started recording, you happened to be negative one year old while all this was going on. Mm. So with that said, you know, are you able to, you know, watch some of these documentaries and kind of take it in and enjoy it? I mean, what's, what's that like? Yeah. You know, I need to, I need to watch the specific one that you, you referenced to me that just came out on YouTube, but I do remember growing up watching quite a few on on specifically that 94 season and the Rangers. And obviously the Rangers uh, won the chip. Uh, the Knicks came darn close against the Houston Rockets. And it, it was so cool this offseason to do a, a deep dive through Knicks history. Obviously, we had this insane amount of time and there was complete uncertainty on whether or not the NBA season would come back in April. And, and we got to talk to uh, Chris Herring, who's, who's writing uh, se- second time I'm referencing this during the pod, but he's writing a book on the 90s Knicks. And it, it was so fascinating to go deep on that team and just the various personalities that the Knicks had. And it was just this real, like, total, like, F you attitude that I would love for the Knicks to get back to because it did feel yeah. like there was a little bit of that during the 12-13 season where obviously it didn't totally carry through the playoffs, but they were a really old team. Like Jason Kidd, who was 41, was, was nominally one of their three or four best players. They were led by like a 28, 29-year-old Carmelo Anthony. Um, they had Kurt Thomas. They had Marcus Camby. They had Rasheed Wallace. They had all these vets and all these guys who'd been in the league and were just tough and were killers. And, and for so long, like the Knicks have just had like these offbeat characters like who didn't really make sense or like didn't have their heads screwed on straight. Like and mixed in with a couple of guys who – who really did know what they were doing, but you just never quite had enough of that. And it's just been such a long time since the Knicks have had like a team, like I, I was going to say a team of adults, but even more so than that, <laughs> just a fun roster. Like I just want to enjoy watching 82 games a year and I, I'm open about it. I'm so incredibly bitter that uh, I, um, with some of the other NBA hosts and, and even you, John, as a Rangers host, that you get to watch <laughs> an enjoyable product for work and you get to go into every game saying, this is going to be fun where I'm like, I like watching the Knicks, like especially this year, because it's fun watching RJ develop. I every time Mitchell Robinson gets in, I'm at the edge of my seat. But it, it's painful to have to watch 82 Knicks games. I just want to get to a point where that's not the case. And it's so cool to flash back to 1994, where every game you went in. I mean, and like to be fair, like a lot of those games are really, really ugly. They were such a defense, like physical defense first physical team that wouldn't really fly in the modern NBA and they weren't necessarily playing like San Antonio Spurs style like beautiful game but you knew they were going to kick some ass every single night and I would just love 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 to get back to that point and it did seem like in 1994 the Rangers kind of were playing like that beautiful up-tempo game I know led by Mark Messier and Brian Leach yeah I mean it was it was a very exciting team they really uh had a just a good mix of everything. You know, there was some grit, there was some skill, there was some speed. Uh, you had Mike Richter in goal. He was phenomenal. Uh, you had, you know, the veteran Messier who had already won four Stanley Cups with Edmonton. He comes over to New York. That's kind of the next challenge of his career. And Brian Leach, man. I mean, he was so good. And I really think in those 94 playoffs, that's when he kind of just took his game to a whole nother level. I mean, he was already kind of a budding superstar in the league, but man, he just took over certain games. He was so good, uh, won the Conn Smythe Trophy. And uh, yeah, it was just a like you said, I mean, you just want to have a team that's a fun team. And that 94 Ranger team was a fun team. I think the Ranger team that they have now, I mean, it's not as good as the 94 team, obviously. But there are some very exciting players. They're very fun to watch. I mean, they have some defensive breakdowns. That's kind of a byproduct of being 
uh, a young hockey team. They'll give up some odd man rushes the other way. They'll give up some goals that maybe they shouldn't give up. They'll take some foolish penalties. But there's never a dull moment watching the Rangers, man. And I, I don't know. I didn't really get to see a whole lot of the Knicks this season. But with the Rangers, I mean, there were very, very few games where I found myself being like, I don't really want to watch this anymore. I mean, there was one game that they lost 9-2 to against the Tampa Bay Lightning this season. So that one wasn't a lot of fun. But, man, I could count on one hand the amount of games that, like, I didn't enjoy, at least on some level. Even games that they lost. You know, very exciting team this year. And certainly that 94 team was just unbelievable. Yeah, um, I, I know we're a while out on it, but John, maybe we can make a promise to each other. I'll watch a little more Rangers. You'll watch a little more Knicks. Uh, next time we come on, we'll, we'll have even more to talk about. But I, I, I had a blast uh, with this conversation, and it was it, it's nice to hear about a New York team on a really great track. Yeah, you get yourself a deal, man. I will definitely do that. I'll get more into the Knicks. I'll at least, uh, I'll at least learn the starting five for you. I think I can do that. But uh, yeah, this is a ton of fun. I feel like we're just starting to scratch the surface about all the different things we could talk about whether it's the old school Rangers and Knicks or, you know, what's happening now and in the future. Uh, This is a blast and uh, we will definitely have to do it again. Sounds good, man. All right. Once again, a big, big thank you to Mr. Gavin Shaw of Locked On New York Knicks for joining me here, teaming up for a special crossover edition, talking a little bit of Rangers, talking a little bit of Knicks. It was a blast and we'll have to do it again sometime. The other thing I wanted to mention today is that we have a fantasy hockey league forthcoming for Locked On New York Rangers listeners. Uh, We've had a few people reach out already. I've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast, so definitely do not wait around. If you're interested, send me an email, send me a DM on Twitter, do whatever you got to do to get in touch with me and uh, claim your spot today in the Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy Hockey League. Again, the tentative starting date for next season is December 1st. We will figure out all the little details as the date approaches, but it's going to be a lot of fun. No money involved, maybe just a small prize for the winner. We will see. I've got a couple different ideas. Don't want to give them away just yet, but yes, absolutely reach out if you're interested in playing some fantasy hockey next season. Like I said, there's no money. It's very low stakes. We're just going to have some fun. So even if you've never played fantasy hockey before, you don't really know what you're doing. uh, That's fine. You know, just jump in and it'll be a lot of fun and I haven't really played a ton of fantasy hockey myself, so I don't really know what I'm doing either, but it's going to be a lot of fun either way. Like I said, just send an email or DM me on Twitter. Do whatever you got to do to get in touch. But that will do it for today, guys. Thanks again so much for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, especially for the Fantasy Hockey League, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Make sure to come back tomorrow for an all new episode. This is, of course, a five day a week podcast. We're going to be getting into some draft stuff as the week progresses. I think we all know the Rangers are going to take Alexi Lafreniere with that number one overall pick, but we will see what other strategies the Rangers may employ in the draft. They also hold the number 22 overall pick in the first round, so we're going to get into all that good stuff. So it's going to be a big, big draft for the Rangers. Just another chance to kick this rebuild into the next gear. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.